Uh, good to be here together. There we go. Am I on now? Uh, Labor Day weekend, so um, honoring all who provide labor for us, from our mother at our birth to uh, all those who serve us every day. We give thanks for uh, all who give labor. And our opening hymn uh, by her brokering will have many images of labor in it as well. Uh, good that we're here. Welcome to those who are online, including John Reese, who's celebrating his 80th birthday uh, this morning. Uh, John wanted to be here, but uh, he couldn't be here this morning, but he said he'd be watching online. So uh, to John, happy birthday. Uh, the order of service is printed before you. Uh, you see the table is set for Holy Communion, and all are welcome as we move towards communion. Uh, now, if it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We lift our voices in song, our gathering hymn, Earth and All Stars. morning responsive reading. Married, divorced, or single here? Conservative or liberal here? Big or small here? There's room for us all here. 
doubt or believe here. We can all receive here. Gay or straight here. There is no hate here. Woman or man here. Everyone can serve here. Whatever your race here. For all of us grace here. No dress code in place here. No conformity of thought required here. Miriam, the ridiculous love God has for us. Let us live in love without labels. Because mine is a church. Where everybody is welcome. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, give us, give us joy. Give us peace. Give us hope. Give us courage that we may believe in you and heed the call to be your hands and feet in the world. We pray in the strong name of the one who showed his power by washing feet. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson is from the fourth chapter of 1 Timothy. Train yourself in godliness, for while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and struggle, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. The word of the Lord. Doug and I are going to sing Blowing in the Wind for you, and it would be really great if you would sing with us, especially on the refrain, but yeah. sing the verses too if you like. We've got something happening there, don't we? I was going to say, <clears throat> we need all the help we can get, so sing along. <laughs> Try to sing the same tune, it'd be best. <laughs> and how many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? Yes, and how many seas must the white dove sail before she can sleep in the sand? Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing the wind. 
off with the Brothers Four this week, uh, but we're in good hands, and we appreciate all of our musicians and our song leaders, and uh, it's good to be together. Amen? Okay, before I begin, let me share just a little history with you. The death and resurrection of Jesus took place somewhere around the year 30. Now, historians might disagree that and of course, some would not accept the Jesus story at all. His existence and resurrection are matters of faith. People are free to believe or not. Christianity, known as the Way, began to spread across the Roman Empire after Pentecost. But Christianity was mostly legal. For in out of persecution, depending on their location and the whim of the emperor. This would remain true until Emperor Constantine. Emperor Constantine, who in the 313 declared Christianity would be tolerated. Tolerated, not persecuted. Tolerated like other religious movements. Now, nearly a decade later, the emperor had a come-to-Jesus moment, and he would now issue the Edict of Constantine. Just like that, Christianity became the religion of the empire. In 321, there was the marriage 
between church and state, for better or worse. Now, these are historical facts, not debated by historians. I was visiting with a man this past week, and he had come to our church, but he was rather skeptical of Christianity. He said that he was not sure that he believed many of the historical tenets of Christianity, the virgin birth, the Apostles' Creed, original sin, told him that he could believe whatever he wanted, and he'd be totally welcome to worship here and serve here at Trinity Lutheran Church. I told him that I have no interest in his conforming to my way of thinking or to some Lutheran doctrine. I'm simply not responsible for what any of you believe. I'm only responsible for what I teach. How arrogant to expect conformity of thought when God is 99.9% mysterious to us. No human being or human institution, including the church, could fill in the blanks on the other 99.9%. So the church needs to stay in its lane and only proclaim what it knows and clear we only see in a mirror dimly. 99.9% of God is hidden. My friends, in the end, it makes no difference what you believe. Belief or unbelief will have no bearing on the truth. You can believe that there is no God, but that belief... Believe that the world is flat, but your opinion will not alter reality. It either is or it isn't. Evolution, you can take it or leave it. Life on other planets, believe as you will. So why come to church if 99.9% is a mystery? Well, you should come to church if you want to be around broken people who are thirsty for words of hope. You should come to church if you want to be around people who carry heavy burdens, people who care about our island, fragile people who care about each other, insecure people trying to find a place to belong. You see, there is little conformity of thought here at Trinity, and yet, i got to tell you, these folks do believe something. We do share a belief that we can make a difference in our community and in our world. So here's the deal. It makes no difference what you believe, and it makes all the difference in the world what you believe. For what you believe will inform your behavior. And your behavior will determine your quality of life, your faithfulness to others, and the legacy that you will leave behind when your name is chiseled in stone. So what you believe will not change reality, but it will change your reality. Our reading this morning is found in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. By the 16th chapter, Jesus had journeyed with his disciples for the better part of three years. They knew him, their rabbi and their friend. They had seen his miracles. They had listened to his parables. But unknown to them, the end was now near. The shadow of the cross 
was cast before Jesus. Listen carefully now to our text, and then we'll see if God has a word for us. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus then asked them, but who do you say that I am? The gospel of the Lord. That's our lesson. But how are we to understand this text 2,000 years later? To answer that question, we must look at the context in which this conversation took place. Most consequential interactions in the context. It's north from the region of the Galilee to the modern-day border of Israel and Lebanon. Now, our destination is a magnificent Roman city, a pagan masterpiece with pagan temples and awe-inspiring architecture. The ruins of Caesarea Philippi are still visible today, though the wonder of the city has been lost to the passing of time. Now, many of our Trinity Lutheran Church pilgrims have visited the site to see the headwaters of the Jordan River and to immerse themselves in the biblical story, the story that we share today. The city was founded about the same year that Jesus was born. Its construction was the of King Herod's son, Philip, to honor the emperor in Rome. In the 15th chapter of Matthew, Jesus and his disciples are hanging out in the familiar surroundings of the Sea of Galilee. But on this day, the rabbi Jesus gathered up his disciples and said, let's take a little road trip. They would take a hike, and it was quite a hike, 37 miles, in fact. How long would it take to walk 37 miles? Well, three days, perhaps four, maybe. Jesus seemed to like road trips, but this time the destination was mystifying. The city built by corrupt rulers gave tribute to Roman occupiers. It was pagan a place of idols. In other words, it was just the type of place that good Jews were supposed to avoid. It is doubtful that any of the disciples of, of Jesus, or even Jesus himself, had ever been to this den of iniquity. Jesus took them on a hike. 37 miles, which meant sooner or later they were going to have to hike back 37 miles as well. When they arrived they came face to face with the power of the empire. Master builders and slaves had crafted an amazing city. The power of Rome was on full display. Now let's pause for a moment and consider this question, given our little history lesson we have before. Could anyone in their wildest dreams have predicted? Could anyone have predicted that day that in a mere 290 years, that this Jewish rabbi would become the central figure in the empire surplanting Caesar as the Son of God. I think it's safe to say that no one saw that coming. 
Back to our story. Jesus, the carpenter's son, a small-town rabbi, a miracle worker, walked into Caesarea without fanfare, unnoticed, just another poor, oppressed Palestinian. The disciples were in awe. This empire ruled the world. They stopped beneath a magnificent temple. There, towering above them, was the temple of Pan. Pan, a mythical figure, half goat, half man. To encounter this creature would incite panic in mere humans. It was here, beneath the pagan temple, that Jesus asked the question. He had brought them here for this very reason. He said, who do you say that I am? And no one would answer. They gazed up at the temple. They gazed down at their shoes. No one dared speak except Peter. Peter, who nearly died in the Sea of Galilee just a few days earlier as he attempted to walk on water. Who do you say that I am? Peter spoke up. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. With that, the disciples held their breath, and Jesus smiled. The cross was just a few days off. Soon, these disciples would have to lead this movement without Jesus. The future of God's work in a non-existent church would be in their hands. Jesus said, yes, Peter, you are correct. I am the Son of God. Now, look around. See the powers of Rome. See the pagan worship. See the dancing goats in their temple. And hear this very clearly. If you believe, if you proclaim the truth and live as I have taught you, then the power of Rome will not defeat you. The power of Rome will not defeat the movement of God. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus said. The gates of hell. A strange phrase. The temple to Pan was built over the entrance of an ancient cave. A cave that descended into the bowels of the earth. And it was believed that this cave was an entrance into the underworld. So in fact, the disciples were standing with Jesus beneath the gates of hell. 290 years later, after the disciples had been martyred, after the church had been persecuted, after Peter had been crucified upside down, after Paul had been beheaded by the empire, the movement of Jesus Christ would be the religion of the Roman Empire as Emperor Constantine came to Jesus. And when he did, the emperor ordered the rest of the empire to come to Jesus as well. It's an interesting history lesson, is it not? How fascinating it is to put this scripture lesson into its historical context and have it come to life. Who do people say that I am? 2,000 years ago, most who answered that question were wrong. John the Baptist. Elijah, Jeremiah, wrong, wrong, wrong. And perhaps most today get it well. Who do you say that I am? Does it matter? Well, no, as we've said. In any eternal or factual way, it makes no difference what we believe. What we believe matters more to us than it does to God. 
So I was talking with a woman this week, and she was having a terrible, terrible time with her aging parents. They were unappreciative. They were demanding. They were unreasonable. They were confrontational. And it was driving her crazy. And so I asked, why do you keep going out of your way to take care of them? And she said, because God never told me that I had to like them. But God commanded that I love them. I believe in the Ten Commandments, and I am keeping the Ten Commandments. I'm honoring them because it's the right thing to do. That was her answer. You see, belief informs our behavior. What we believe changes our reality and the reality of those around us. I believe that God's only goal for my life is that I might experience abundant life. I believe that God only desires good for me. And to that end, Jesus taught me how to live and how to love. I believe that my life will be better if I live in service to others. I believe that my life will be better if I'm faithful to my wife. I believe that God has forgiven me and that I will be healthier and happier if I learn to forgive myself and forgive others. I believe that I will be richer in every way if I'm generous with the stuff that God has entrusted to me. I believe that my life will have purpose and meaning and be blessed beyond measure if I put myself in the path of the gospel, sharing the journey every Sunday with the flawed followers of Jesus. That's you. I believe that I do not have to be worried about heaven or hell because I believe that the God who birthed me once without my participation will have no trouble birthing me again to new life without my help. You say that I am. How would you answer that question? And how will your answer inform your behavior, your actions, your life? Your answer will not change reality, but your answer may change your life. Okay, I'm going to rest for a minute. And I'm going to invite you to listen carefully to this song. It tells a story of faith in the midst of life and in the midst of loss. Wrigley lived in that white house down the street where I grew up. Mama used to send me over with things. We struck a friendship up. We spent a few long summers out on his old porch swing. Said he was in the war. Lost his wife, lost his baby. Broke down and asked him one time, How you keep from going crazy? He said, I see my wife and son in just a little while. I asked him what he meant. He looked at me and smiled, said, I raised my hand. 
there's more to life just what I can see. makes a difference. Loved, forgiven, never alone. That is reality. That is God's reality and that is our reality. And nothing can change that. But if we believe it, even in the midst of doubt, if we believe, then we will be set free to love, we'll be set free to forgive, we'll be set free from the fear of living and from the fear of dying. If we believe we can change the world for better and change the community that we live in, then we can change 
our story for good. Who do you say that I am? Your answer matters. Amen. I'd invite you to stand uh, for our hymn of the day. now to God in prayer. Pamela is going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will be end with God, our hope, and our response, hear our prayer. Let's pray. God of all, hear us as we pray for those in any need and for all of creation. On this weekend, we pray for all who work in the marketplace, in factories and offices, in the professions, in any kind of service, and in family living. Watch over these, your servants, bearing the tools of their trade, offering the work of their hands, minds, and hearts. Help them to be joyful in their labor and to work for a more just and peace-filled world. God, our hope, you ask us to put the needs of the poor and the vulnerable first. We pray for those who are unemployed, underemployed, 
for those who struggle to balance their job demands with the needs of family, and for a change of heart for employers and corporations who take advantage of workers who are poor and needy, whether the worker is resident, migrant, or immigrant. May they harm none and create work for the sake of the common good. May all have a living wage and be recognized for the dignity of their work. God, our hope. We give thanks for the new academic year upon us and the new communities it forms. Be with those who teach, learn, and lead as we continue to discover our past and our future and how it shapes our present and as we strive to build the abundant life and world you desire for us. God, our hope. Holy God, we pray that we might slow down enough to say good morning <clears throat> and thank you. Help us to pause and see each person as a beloved child of God, all kinds, colors, shapes, and abilities. Teach us how to preach against injustice, <clears throat> protest evil, protect the earth, and be open to your cleansing light. God, our hope. <clears throat> we pray for those in Florida, in Maui, and in cities and communities around the world that are impacted by the ever-changing climate. Inspire us to work for the change that heals us and our planet so future generations may thrive. God, our hope. We pray all this in the name of the Messiah, Son of the living God. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. After the uh, service, after the service, we'd encourage you to take that good energy right over into the gym. We're out in the courtyard, uh, get some coffee and cookies and uh, go out and enjoy some time together, get in to share your journey with one another, important part of what we're doing. Uh, notice on the back of your bulletin all the things are going on, lots of things going on, especially as we're now revving up for fall. Uh, lots of announcements there, lots of things to take part in. Choir started this week with a choir retreat. And Sheila, come on up or use the mic there. I have a sacred job today um, under duress from Carl. Hi, Carl. Um, choir proper resumes Wednesday night at 6.30 here. Tuesday night, 6.45 setup, the bell choir resumes. So if any of you have a secret hankering to play with resonance with us, please join in the fun. 
And then, if I may just be shameless for a moment, I have a concert on Saturday night at the Unitarian Church. My trio improviso, it's Andre Ferrante, guitarist, violinist Linda Vogt, and myself. We'll be doing all kinds of improvisational meditations for you. So I think that's at 7 on Saturday night. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Uh, come out and play bells. Uh, we have a memorial next Saturday for uh, Heather Kelly. There's a sign-up out there if you can uh, help bake for that. That would be really very much appreciated right on the main table. And Mary Duffin, a longtime member of our church, died this week. So maybe you remember Mary. She moved a few years ago to assisted living, but uh, really a wonderful woman, and uh, we give thanks. Services there are uh, pending. Uh, next Sunday's rally day. Lana's going to come forward and tell you about the picnic. Uh, but just to know that the service times don't change next week, so still at 8 and 10 next week. The morning uh, schedule for worship will be the same. Lana, what do you got for us? Okay, so rally day next Sunday, 1230 to 3 at MRC Ranch. Oh, my God. Um, uh, we are eating from 1 to 2, so please make sure um, to get there in time so we can put salads out and stuff like that. It's pulled pork sandwiches and hot dogs. Um, make sure you bring kids. There's lots of activities for the kids, horseback riding, face painting, crafts, dress up. Are you in charge of the dress up room? Maybe, okay. maybe. All right. So. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, take a look at the table in the gym, sign up, let us know you're going to come. And um, there's just a few spots left that I need some volunteers, okay? Now on the idea of volunteers, September volunteers, uh, there's not very many people signed up yet. And today's September 3rd. So um, we were talking, um, Ron and I, that maybe we should do a volunteer lottery and, and we'll put a number underneath your chair, and then I'll just pull a number out and say, you win, you're ushering today. Might have to try it, so if you're a little nervous about that, you'll need to sign up. All right, um, now the big one. The luncheon, Thursday, the third Thursday, the 21st, at noon. And if you think about what is so exciting about September, um, it's not the kids going back to school. It is. Um, yes, the Seahawks start now. So um, the theme for the barbecue or the luncheon is tailgate. Um, you kind of have to get creative with that. I promise I won't make you eat outside sitting in your trunk, but um, we'll figure something out. So tailgate, think about that theme, and next week I'll have a sign-up out for that. Good. Thank you, Lana. Thank you. need some hats. Um, okay, so Labor Day next week, uh, as Pastor Jim said, service is at 8 and 10. So during the 10 o'clock service, we're having a Sunday school kickoff celebration. So we'll have snacks and crafts and games and lots of fun activities for all of our uh, elementary school kids down in the Sunday school hallway during the 10 o'clock service next week. And then we start up with our Monday morning is our Hearts Together Ladies Bible Study, and um, 
time to be together. So that starts on Mondays at 10. I lead that down the hall in the fireside room. Wednesdays at 10 is our Bible study with Arnie Bergstrom, continuing the study of the book of John this year. Um, lots of great things coming up, youth groups, confirmation, all, everything, everything starts up. So lots of flyers and handouts on the table in the narthex. Be sure to grab those. We also start our Thursday evening dinners. There's a, a handout that has all of the schedule for that. So lots of great things coming up. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve and Tony, for the beautiful flower here. Thank you. Uh, very beautiful. Word about communion. Uh, that word is all are welcome. Uh, it's not a Lutheran table. It's the Lord's table. Jesus invites. You come. And we just set the table, and all are welcome. doesn't matter where your journey's been. doesn't matter how long you've been away. If you've never worshipped with us before, uh, you are welcome to join us. You'll come down the center aisle, hold out your hand, receive the host, and uh, go ahead and, and tink that host then into the chalice of your choice. First chalice of wine, second chalice grape juice. We also have gluten-free as well. Uh, one more thing to do here, and that's uh, I'm going to ask Marty Bauer to come up. Marty, come on up. Come on, Marty. Marty's leaving mm. us. She has been a key volunteer, and she's going to be a Tennessee volunteer. Uh, but uh, she's moving to Tennessee. And this is your last Sunday. And uh, Marty joined the church in 2005. She was around before that, but has had a heart for the homeless, a heart for the um, people who need help in the community. And you've given us a great vision for that. And uh, it's hard to say goodbye, but we love you. And we wish you the very best. And, uh, and we, we don't want you to cry, but uh, I want you to turn here towards the waters. I'm going to put this baptismal water right here on your forehead. You're a child of God, love forgiven, never alone. And we are better because you journeyed with us. And so we thank you. Yeah. And we all thank you. If it's comfortable, I would invite you to stand as we move to the table. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents. This table that where communion will be celebrated and tables like this across the globe by Christians of a variety of colors and denominations. And here we find our unity in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we remember Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem, not long after that gathering in Caesarea Philippi. On this night in Holy Week, on a Thursday night, and the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day.
gifts of God for the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may. Together on our knees. 
stand. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven. Go out those doors. Make a difference this week where God puts you as you are the hands and feet of Christ. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending hymn, We Are Called.